Welcome to episode 49 of the Needle Movement Podcast. Today is going to be a solo show, and we're going back to the metaverse, folks. I'm going to dive in deep into the value proposition, why people are enthusiastic about this. Metaverse just reminds me so much of the dot-com boom of the late 90s, but there are some differences, some really important ones. There is lots of opportunity for individuals, and we'll get into why early adopters especially can benefit. And as entrepreneurs, we're pretty fearless, right? So buckle up. The metaverse is only the latest test of our bravery. Can't wait to dive in. I'm Stephen Carl, talking you straight from Brooklyn, New York. Now let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. First off, just want to say thank you so much for listening in, taking the time out of your busy day. I really appreciate that. And this episode is being recorded in mid-September. And for today, I wanted to provide an insider's view of the metaverse because I know there's a lot of media stories about it and people are familiar with the term NFT. I think it's good to get a participant's point of view. And over the course of this year, some things have actually changed in a good way. I've gone from really just researching this and being an observer to being an active participant. Since February, for about six months, I've been collecting NFTs and I've done a lot of metaverse watching. <laughs> I'm going to share some lessons, good and bad, on that. One saying I've heard, I think that's totally true, is day one is your worst day. Meaning the day you launch a website or the day you launch an ad campaign. The reason is because you probably have all sorts of assumptions about it. But then on day one, your assumptions become the real world, real world and results. And oftentimes you're not going to find the most success unless everything you research was perfect and all your theory was perfect practice. And I think that goes for new technology too. For me, diving into NFTs, it wasn't all pretty. <laughs> I'll share some of those war stories later. I do feel that the things that I've learned early on have really benefited me long-term and I feel like three times smarter six months in than I did before about what's going on with a lot of these different technologies. So before we go any further, just wanted to say this is not financial advice. With metaverse projects, they can be investments and for investments, it's always best to do your own research. I am not the foremost authority on these things. I'm just geeking out on the side and learning about a few projects. But the smart way to go about it is to listen to a lot of smart people and develop your own thesis, and then you can make the most informed decisions. For a very long time, I've been watching internet trends. And something you might not know about me is that I was an early participant in the dot-com boom of the late 90s. So I'll date myself a little bit. My internet career started in 97 and I was an early employee at an internet startup called Cosmo.com and we specialized in one hour delivery and we got a $60 million investment from Amazon. And long story short, I didn't have a front row seat, but I was pretty up close for everything that happened between the years of say 97 to 2002. The 
internet boom and bust. And ever since I've been fascinated by trends because I can see both sides of them. I understand the hype cycle and I'm always evaluating trends closely to see if they're a passing fad or a real opportunity. And like you, I mean, I've been solicited by a million people telling me to buy expensive software systems. And I'm even more skeptical sometimes because I know all the marketing tricks and I know when people are trying to mess with my head. (laughs) I'm really excited about this. We're going to do an entire episode about FOMO, the fear of missing out, because this is what marketers try to do to get people to buy things. So I watch trends very closely and it's because I want to get that competitive advantage. The idea is that let's just say I've marked where the internet is today and my competitor is two years behind in strategy. Who's going to win? So this is what probably has initially attracted me to the metaverse. I do want to say just before we ride this hype train with this stuff, there's peaks and valleys. Not everyone is going to be successful. I just try to have a balanced view and see positives and negatives and put together my own thesis on it. I will say with the metaverse, it has many of the same vibes as the early internet. And that's why at some points my body was practically shaking because of all the deja vu. (laughs) But it's a transformational technology that changes work and personal lives. And then you might get some random stories of people becoming millionaires. But again, that ties into a, a very speculative narrative that I really like to get away from because I've heard all their get rich quick stories between digital marketing and dot com. So I think long term. And I think that's where, you know, when you ride trends long term, you can be successful. So the metaverse is, it's a catch all term for me because this isn't just one technology, it's really an ecosystem of tech that's moving together. So it involves NFTs, which is digital artwork, Web 3.0, what's going on in online gaming, virtual worlds and cryptocurrency. You can go back a few episodes and there's a whole metaverse primer if any of this, if you don't understand any of this lingo or any of these concepts are confusing. I think the metaverse is better than the dot-com. It's different because it's better for individuals. Because back in the day, or even now as an entrepreneur, like if you want to start a company, you got to raise almost six figures in capital. And then you might not even be done because then to attract other investors, you might need to raise more. And exit strategy is always a little tricky too. With the metaverse, you can participate or invest as an individual. So kind of the same way as you do a stock portfolio. So the capital needs are significantly less. And for early adopters, it's an excellent match because there are rewards for participation. And I'll get into that later. Over the course of my research, I've really changed my thought here because in the beginning I thought, oh, the metaverse, I don't need to worry about this for at least a couple years, probably five years. They're talking about virtual worlds. Forget about it. We're not going to have virtual reality for another 10 years. And then I changed by watching some of these projects and seeing what's happening. 
I've totally changed my point of view here. The metaverse is happening right now. And here's why, because it's not just about virtual worlds. The metaverse is about exploring your digital self. And that's what people are doing. Imagine all the times that you're in real life and people are just staring at their screens. When they're staring at the screens, they're not hearing what you're saying. They are in the digital realm. In the digital realm, that's where they're buying digital goods. That's where they're exploring the digital financial system. They're in the metaverse. So now is a good time to educate yourself to prepare for this. It's just going to be a gradual transformation, but it's a good time now to do that versus a few years down the road where I think what's nice about being slightly early on trends is that you get to ride that wave of change and it's fun instead of having that wave crash down on you and disrupt things that you're already involved in. So now let's get an ethos of the metaverse. And this goes with this concept of web 3.0. And like Timothy Berners-Lee even talked about this recently where he was saying that he invented the World Wide Web in the 90s. And he was saying, you know, the web was never meant to be a place for gatekeepers like the Googles and Apple where these big gatekeepers could siphon off the value. It was meant where all participants of the protocol could benefit from it and benefit from being more involved with it. And the other part of Web 3.0 is this idea of decentralization, which is just shorthand for cut out the middleman. Because when the creator can speak directly to the audience, you don't need a middle party to connect the two. They already want to talk to each other. And that's what happens with the Facebooks, the Googles, and the Apples, because sometimes they're just middle entities that we have to pay for access that both parties are already in agreement on. I think also with the metaverse, let's be clear that it's changed things, but a lot of the big tech companies are still going to be around for many, many years to come. I think the difference is that people can choose between Web 3.0 and Web 2.0. And the nice thing about Web 3.0 is that there are going to be early adopter incentives. A couple of examples of this is with NFTs. Like, let's just say we all like a certain NFT artist. We buy Banksy NFTs. What happens with NFT drops is let's just say 500 people buy this art piece. Then we become a community with a common objective. We want to promote that artist. And because of the way NFTs are and that there is a digital footprint of our ownership, later, we're part of the club now of this artist fan club. There are many situations now where people with NFTs are getting access to exclusive events. You get to meet people in an interesting way. I think that's a little more personal than retail products. And we'll get into that in a little bit. And also, sometimes when you buy one piece of art, Later on, if you hold on to that piece, they will give you another free artwork. So it's like a dividend of sorts. Another example of Web 3.0 is decentralized finance, where we've all gone to the bank and most of us don't have savings accounts because there's no savings. You get 0.5%, half of a percent. So what happens in decentralized finance is you'll have thousands of users. They will pool together their financial resources in a protocol and essentially operate as the bank. And that's why through those decentralized finance protocols, they can get 
savings of 10%, 20% and up. And the idea with Web 3.0 is if you participate, you will benefit, especially if you're in early. So let's imagine if you're the first 1,000 people to join one of these projects and it grows big time, there can be some form of financial benefit. And that's the ethos of the metaverse. You participate, you play to earn, and you participate and you can get some share of that success. I mean, I could draw a popular example here, which demonstrates this of how it's different right now. Let's talk about Shopify. And I love Shopify. For me as an early adopter and one who follows trends, I've enjoyed Shopify because I've worked on the platform for 12 years. And I like it because it doesn't give me any, nearly any of the headaches that other platforms have given me in the past. And that's why I work on it with a lot of clients. What's intriguing is Shopify had an IPO and they have stock. And now that stock is worth a pretty penny. And I haven't even looked at it, but it's well over $1,000 a share. So a lot of people have that stock and have, have done very well with it. But as someone who worked directly in the platform, I've never through my work had the opportunity to become an investor. I would have had to have done it on the outside. I was in Shopify in 2009. So I was in that first group of people that did it, but I wasn't able to get the investor benefit. So we'll say if Shopify were a metaverse protocol, I would have definitely gotten a significant financial boost for my involvement in the platform long-term. And that's the difference. And that's why people who are involved in early metaverse projects are excited, whether it's NFTs, gaming, or crypto. With the metaverse, you don't have a middleman corporate structure. It's sort of like a loose democracy where participants vote on things. They're like shareholders. There are incentives as well that go with it, that become part of the protocol. And the value of those projects will change with time. Some will succeed, some will not. But if you're there in the beginning, it's almost being an early member of a successful startup. And I wanted to comment on communities because like in e-commerce, everyone talks about community and everyone talks about customer loyalty. If you're doing e-commerce right now, I would join some of these metaverse discords. It's kind of like Facebook groups. It was originally used for gaming. I mean, now it's used for a lot of own media initiatives for metaverse projects and NFTs. But the level of engagement is totally off the charts. And it's strange because you would think it's an NFT and it's virtual. Wouldn't that mean it's less real or friendly? But I got to say, like, I have met so many cool people in these discords and with these NFT communities. Think about it this way. Think about how many millions of people have iPhones. How many people have you met just because you had that iPhone? Was there ever a meetup for people in Chicago that have iPhones or people in Brooklyn that have iPhones? No, but that's what happens with these NFT projects where if I bought an artist NFT, they will have a discord where there's not real life events always, but there will just be ways that people get to know each other that are really authentic. I've seen NFT projects, they will do AMAs, and AMA stands for Ask Me Anything, where they'll invite their entire social media and Discord community for an event or to make an announcement. And it's basically the next generation of 
what Apple has always done, where Steve Jobs used to go on the stage and promote future Apple releases. But what's cool is this time, it's not the CEO. It's the artist who is speaking, who has a direct communication with the audience. It is the leader. It's really amazing what's going on with artists, especially in this space. I mean, I'm just hearing some really heartwarming stories, but the metaverse aligns our objectives and it makes people more enthusiastic participants. Because if a project succeeds, you're getting a slice of that success. And that's what's so different than the dot-com boom of the late 90s, that there were incentives for individuals. And even for regular retail, when you buy something on retail, imagine if you could make money off of that purchase with time. Typically, you can't. But it's very common in NFT gaming projects that if you get in early, it's possible that there is a financial benefit because you were there before other people were. So that's why there's a bigger early adopter incentive. I can relate to some of the struggles because when you buy things and when you're an early adopter, people are very dismissive. There's a lot of work involved into convincing other people. So if you're the first 1,000 people or 5,000 people in a project, there should be a little incentive or it's, it's healthy if there is. So we're going to continue this discussion on NFTs in the metaverse. I'm looking forward to talking to some insiders, artists, marketers, and collectors who can give us all some good insights. And I'm just developing my own manual for metaverse participation because as early adopters, I mean, if I could compare it to the dot-com boom, I would say we're in the year 1998. <laughs> I mean, we're in maybe like the third inning, but we're very early in. And I think it's most important just to develop a long-term plan for this, not to treat it like a fad or I hate the speculative stuff and the get rich quick things. There's so much BS there, but I believe with a long-term plan, there's some serious opportunity with the metaverse. So that is all for now. Thank you so much for listening and see you soon on the podcast. Hi, this is Steven. This episode is sponsored by Needle Movement. Needle Movement helps emerging e-commerce brands master their email and SMS strategies. We know all the ins and outs of Klaviyo and then some. And sure, it's about sales, but for me, it's different. I take a very hands-on approach with all my clients. I'm honestly very selective with the clients I pick because we don't have many slots open. And that's because Needle Movement is all about having clients that we can call friends in the end and making e-commerce fun. Ecom is fun. You know the story. It's fun when you know you're going to hit all those monthly sales numbers. Recently, we had one client who broke their monthly sales marks for 15 months in a row. Contact us to learn more. You can go to our website or you can reach Needle Movement on LinkedIn and Twitter and we can discuss how you can make the most out of your e-commerce store. And last but not least, tune in for another new episode of the Needle Movement Podcast.